Good morning and happy Easter to you. You guys doing all right? Thank you, Lord. Hey, greetings to those of you tuning in online as well. We're very happy to have you of all the places you could be in this wonderful country we live in. You decided to spend Easter Sunday at Grace Church with the family here. And so thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you're not disappointed. (laughs) I'm already delighted to meet many new faces. It's a delight, right, Alicia and I? We actually love just greeting new people and getting to know your story and your journey and uh, the direction God is taking you. And we're looking forward uh, to that for the years to come. It'll take us a while to remember all your names. I apologize in advance. But um, we'll get there, right? We'll get there. Well, what what a wonderful worship time already. So... We're in, a, we're in a series that Ray started last week when Alicia and I were just coming back off of our month off. Uh, he started a series called It Is Finished. Another way to say that would be It Is Completed. But it's the last thing that Jesus said uh, before he died on the cross. And so we've been diving into that phrase, um, It Is Finished or It Is Completed, and asking the question, What is finished? What is completed, right? It's taken from the verse in John 19, 28. uh, It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, he said uh, to fulfill the scripture, that is, I thirst and a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and they held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it's finished. And then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. How many know that he gave himself on the cross? All right. That's, that can be another message someday, but he decided at this moment, it's time for me to give my life completely. Right. And so after dying, one of the most horrendous deaths that you could die, that you could go through uh, on the earth at that time, being crucified on a Roman cross, right? He said, it is finished. And so I wanted to take some time, maybe this Sunday and of course next Sunday as well, and say what exactly does it mean when we say the completed works of the cross are for me? What's been done? What's been done and then how do I respond to that? Amen. So in this message I want to declare today, and there's many things to talk about, but I want to declare that reconciliation is finished. Somebody say reconciliation. That's a big word, right? What do I mean by that? Well, well, Here's another way to say it. Striving to belong is finished. And we can put that to rest. In other words, your adoption papers are now signed and completed. And they're filed. And we don't have to go through that process anymore of striving to belong. Am I connected? At least on his part, he's saying it's done. And I've now reconciled you to your father, God. That's why he came, right? So separation between me and God no longer exists, not on his part. Can I pause right now and say all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Come on, Adam and Eve sinned, right? We know the story. That's another message for another time. But who ran from who? Right? Did God hide himself from them or did Adam and Eve, come on, who hides from who when we're in trouble, when we've missed the mark? That's what sin means, right? Missing the mark, missing the grand design of God. Who runs from who in shame, right? They hid from God, right? And so don't we do the same today? As far as God is concerned, he's not hiding himself from us. He has said, you are reconciled to me. And I want to dive into that. So what makes us feel distant sometimes? what makes us feel less than or, or that we have to strive to belong. 
And how does this affect my life? And I realize that I've done this many times in my life, but the, the story that came to mind when I was prepping this message was when I was a teenager, I think the striving to belong is at an all-time high when you're a teenager. Can you agree, somebody? That's when you go through, man, who are my people? Who are my guys? Who are my gals, right? But, um, but I actually uh, was invited to go hunting with a, with a group of friends of mine. Uh, and um, they don't just hunt. They drive for deer. And so they will walk up the one side of the mountain, and the other guys will be a couple miles down and walk up that side of the mountain. They'll, they'll drive toward them in a line, right, and flush out all the deer. And uh, <clears throat> so we did that kind of hunting. Hunting, uh, and um, I realized that my third year hunting like that, and um, I realized I didn't like hunting. <laughs> I like shooting guns, <laughs> and that is it. I like nothing else about hunting. <laughs> the cold weather was atrocious um, because if you're on the, the other line, you're waiting for a good couple hours, right, in the freezing cold weather, sometimes snow and ice, right? Some of you love this, I know. I'm, I'm not talking to all of you right now. Some of you can't wait until, I don't even know why I'm talking about hunting season. We're thinking about summer months. But the striving to belong and be part of a group was so powerful. I wanted to be with all of my friends. I loved the campfires, you know, and then on the way home, we'd stop at this restaurant and eat because we hadn't eaten much like all day on the mountain, right? Um, I, I didn't like anything else about hunting except shooting the gun itself, right? I didn't like gutting. That's actually the worst part. So my friend helped me along. Like, oh, 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 okay. I don't think he did it right because it had this awful, awful smell. Um, I'm pretty sure he gutted that thing wrong, and I couldn't actually eat the meat. I was so like, no, uh, you can have it. All the deer bologna belongs to you. Thank you for helping me gut my deer. I was just glad that I shot something I could say I had a trophy deer, right? That was fun. But listen, the striving to belong was so powerful that it drove me for three years to do something that I actually didn't like in the first place, and I was afraid of losing my friendships, right? What, what do we do? What do we do? And I didn't lose my friends. I stopped hunting and still had all my friends. So it was just a, a weird, weird mindset, right? What do we do in life? When, how does it affect your life? And, um, and now how do we apply that to God? When we strive to belong and we are wondering if the reconciliation hasn't quite been completed unless I do this, this, and this and name the things and it's usually all good things, right? And so that's what religion does to us is cause us to strive to belong when Jesus said it's finished. You are now reconciled to me and reconciled to the Father on my part. Now it's up to you to come and receive and to spend time with me and to allow me to forgive all of your sins and heal your diseases, right? So let's follow this concept scripturally for just a bit and then talk about how it applies to our life in a practical way. And Matthew picks up Jesus' story of the last moments on the cross, but he doesn't say in, in, in his uh, rendition, he likes to say uh, what happened next, but he doesn't actually say what Jesus said, but, uh, but, but they all um, coincide. And then Matthew says this in uh, chapter 27, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. We know what he said. It was finished. And he yielded up his spirit. And then what? And then behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, come on, from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. 
He'd rather talk about the earthquake that happened when Jesus gave up his life. And then he likes to talk about how the temple, the curtain of this temple, at that time on, on the earth, it was the Herodian temple. They had a few temples at that time, the Jewish culture, uh, where they were sacrificing and, and thus worshiping um, according to the Jewish culture. But that's the one that existed right there down the road from where Jesus was crucified, right? Some historians say um, that the temple curtain might have been as thick of, as a man's fist. We don't know exactly uh, a lot of them like to, like to look at different Jewish history. But then some say it was actually double thick, like it would have been two curtains, so it could have been this thick, right? I'm going, go like that. <laughs> it actually could have been this thick. We actually don't know. With all the materials and all the embroidering that they had on it, it was like quite a thick curtain. But the Bible does say for sure that it was 30 feet high. Well, why am I saying that? It's because at that moment, there's no man that quickly erected some type of scaffolding and set up a quick ladder to, to get a knife or a sword to cut this curtain in half. You know, it was like Jesus, the, the earthquake that happened because of Jesus' death was done and the, and the curtain split. And what, what does that mean? Come on, from top to bottom, 30 feet high, all the way to the bottom, there was no more holy of holies after that. And God said, I cannot be kept in a box. I cannot be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. That was who I am. That is completed. Somebody say completed. There's no more holy of holies. In other words, now I am accessible to you and you and you and you. You can either come in, but actually more than that, I've come out. I don't actually live there anymore. I live here and there and everywhere. But now, come on, he lives within us. Now we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember those verses? And so after that day, the, the, the temple sacrifices could not continue, at least not at that one. They could not continue as they were. As we know, the Jewish culture kept going, right, in various ways. Maybe they sewed the temple curtain back together. I don't know how they functioned after that because they didn't all believe. But as far as Jesus was concerned, um, he was out of the box. He wouldn't stay there and he wouldn't stay in the grave. Um, he could not be contained, all right? Is that good news, somebody? There's no more temple sacrifice. There's no more holy of holies. In other words, there's no more distance and no more separation. Where does that come from? Because it doesn't come from God. Why then do we think or behave sometimes like it does? Um, do you not know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians um, Paul asks us, so do you not know? It's a question. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Let's continue in scripture for just a bit. In Romans 5.10, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life. Is that good news this morning? I'm going to keep reading in Ephesians 2. Let this scripture just wash over you today. Ephesians 2, starting at 4. But God, being rich in mercy. Somebody say rich. rich. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. And listen to this. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And I highlighted that the part of that verse that says he raised us up with him and seated us with him spiritually, right, in heavenly places. Let that mystery, if you will, this morning be something that you meditate on. First Corinthians six seventeen. back to Paul, he says this, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. He accomplished something on the cross that day whereby we can become one with him 
in spirit? Have you paused to think about the marriage that took place when you said yes to Jesus Christ? And he became one with you and you became one with him. And that's why, spiritually speaking, you can be seated in heavenly places where he's at. So you and I as new covenant believers have been included in Christ's death and his resurrection and his ascension. When he died, we died. Right? The old man, so to speak. When he was raised, God quickened us to life with him. And when Jesus ascended to the right hand of his father in heaven, we too were seated in heavenly places. And given participation in the very triune life of God himself, as it were. So why does this revelation matter? Let's talk about why it really matters today and why we should meditate on this. And Easter Sunday, not just Easter Sunday, but it's a good thing to think about today. Why does this affect me and how does this affect me day to day? And I want to just give you three things to ponder as you go about your life um, this week. Number one, when we adopt a mindset, a revelation perhaps, if you will, that reconciliation is completed on the cross... And he's done everything he's going to do so I can come to him and be united with him, declare him as Lord. When we adopt that mindset, number one, we live connected. Somebody say connected. What, when you live connected, it changes the way that I pray, changes the way that I worship. Oh, come on. It does. Because I, I, one of the worship meetings I led just last year, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I apologize in advance if I do that. But actually, I could tell they were praying for God to show up. And I paused and I said, wait a minute, you're all believers. If God isn't here when you show up, where, what, what covenant are we living on? <laughs> now, I understand when people pray for a manifestation of his presence and a manifestation of his glory. Does that make sense? Like a tangible, real, something you feel and sense in the atmosphere, even in your body. I understand all that. But if we have a mindset, a religious, come on, American church mindset that I have to do something in order for God to be present, in order for me to feel one with him, pray long enough or pray the right scriptures, worship long enough or worship with the right song, we're not living as new covenant kids, are we? Is that okay? Did I step on your big toe? No. <laughs> Happy Easter. No, I really, I, really think, I really think that it matters. It really matters how we live and how we approach, right, the, the so-called uh, Christianity of our day because we can quickly fall into this stuff. Um, uh, I'm going to meet King David someday, and I hope he doesn't beat me up because I, I think he's stronger than me. But when I meet King David, uh, you know, he, he actually knows that he was part of a covenant before the new covenant. You realize that, right? And so when you read songs, I tell people sometimes to be careful because King David prayed this. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Remember he prayed that? Hebrews 13, 5 says this, because God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Do you know that the Holy Spirit kind of came and went in the Old Testament? That's why he prayed that. As a new covenant believer, that's not a prayer that belongs in our vocabulary. Why? Because we reconciliation is actually finished. It's a completed work of the cross. We're the ones that get skittish and filled with guilt and condemnation and hide instead of coming boldly to the throne of grace where we belong to get help in time of need, right? We're the ones that hide, not God. And so he will never leave us or forsake us. David also said this, one thing I desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come on, one of you heard her worship song like that. He said, and, but actually, um, we are now the temple, the Holy Spirit. God says, I have something greater in mind. You don't have to live at the temple every day, King David, although you'd like to, because that's where the presence of God was. 
Why wouldn't he want to live there every day? Because that's where God existed, right? That's where he could sense the presence of God. New covenant kids, he goes with us. When you're leaving these doors, he's right there with you. Amen, somebody? He doesn't show up at Grace Church when you show up. He's here before you, and he comes with you. Hallelujah, somebody. Colossians 1.27, Paul talks about the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Somebody say Christ in you. The hope of glory. When's the last time you got up and said, Christ is in me, and I'm going to go to work today with Christ in me? All right, that's another message for another time. How much closer can he get than inside of you? Whoa. I don't know how you pray. I don't know how you worship. And it's good to preach this now because I don't know you that well. (laughs) But listen, how much closer can he get than living inside of you? And how much closer can you get than seated with him in heavenly places? Oh, God, I wish you'd draw near. Well, he has. Amen, somebody. Come on. Ephesians 2, 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him. I want to say it again. In the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And when you, when you adopt these scriptures, you adopt connectedness with the triune God. Colossians 3, 1. Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Or you can set your mind on things above. Same thing. And this, uh, it means the same thing. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Deuteronomy 28, 13, a lot of scriptures for you today because a lot of things have been in my heart. It says this, you're above and not beneath. But listen, when you have this perspective, now you can see life, your circumstances as well, from a place of up here and not down here, right? From a place of wisdom in heaven, being seated with him and not beneath where you're in the muck and the mire and the circumstances of your life and that's all that you see. Wait a minute, you say, I'm seated with Christ. How does he see things? And I can see things with his perspective and with his mind. Paul was even so arrogant to say, I have the mind of Christ. Come on, (laughs) I love that. Man, I, that's one of my favorite scriptures because, man, if I heard him preach it, I don't know how he preached it, but he's like, I have the mind of Christ. You're like, what? Are you Jesus? No. But he knew something was going on in his brain that said, I can think the way that God thinks because I'm so connected with him. No more striving to connect. Let's just acknowledge his completed work. And that number two, how does it affect my life? When I adopt these mindsets that reconciliation is complete, I live accepted. Somebody say Accepted accepted, living accepted, crushes what I like to call the spirit or the mindset of rejection. A lot of societies dealt with it. You've dealt with it at one time or another. Everybody knows what it feels like to feel rejected or not included in something or, or the, which causes a striving to connect, right? A, a, a striving to be accepted. And, and Ephesians 1.6 says this. Again, the, the, the author Paul says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And Jesus himself had prayed this. And I, I, believe, I, I believe this is powerful. John 17, 21, he says that they may be one. He's praying to the Father about you and I. Just as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, and they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. When we no longer worry about rejection from Father God. Maybe we'll talk about that more someday. What it does is starts to crush the effects of rejection from others as well, from human beings, right? And we can talk more about that. And there's so much more to to dive, but I just want to get that word out over you. Somebody needs to hear that today because first and foremost... Uh, if, you're, if you're struggling in that area, first and foremost, take it to God and say, do I strive to connect with God? 
because I'm not sure that he accepts me. I'm not sure if I've done enough. I'm not sure if I'm good enough, right? Well, <laughs> he died on the cross and finished the idea of reconciliation before you were alive and could repent super well, right? So it is repentance that brings you in. I understand that. But he did all that as a finished work of the cross before you could breathe your first breath. You weren't alive 2,000 years ago. He said, no, it's done. And for generations forward, I've made a way for them to come near, and I, I've accepted them in the beloved. Who runs from who? All right. Anyway, anyway, that helps. It actually helps when you're dealing with your fellow man, your fellow woman, when you go to work tomorrow. All right, number three, I live in inheritance. Somebody say inheritance. Inheritance, when you live in inheritance... Because of the finished work of the cross, as we're preaching um, in this series, it crushes what I would like to call the orphan spirit, the orphan mindset, right? The sense of not belonging is really what I'm picking at. Romans 8, I want to read you Romans 8, very important. Romans 8, starting at 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Hallelujah. Going to pause for a Berks County hallelujah right there. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Somebody say adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father, my dad. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So someone here today simply needs a reminder I don't know who you are, what you're going through right now, but someone, as I was praying about this message, someone simply needs a reminder that you're a son, you're a daughter, you're not a slave, you're not just a servant, although you serve, you're not just a servant, you're not just a friend, the BFF of God, <laughs> the precious Holy Spirit, yes, he's our very best friend, but you're not just that, you're not an outsider, you're not an unknown you're not a less than, come on, somebody, or you're not an up-and-coming somebody. You're a right now. You're a legit son and daughter, son or daughter, child of God. Amen? You belong, and you live in inheritance. And so I just wanted to take a moment um, and touch on it some other day, but it crushes the orphan spirit so that you can leave from this place meditating on the fact that he hit the finished work of the cross. It made me connected, it made me accepted, and it caused me to become a child of God. Now, now there is a response required, right? And, 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 and we have to come to him and say, I accept it for me. I repent of living that way. I come to you and I accept the finished work of the cross. For me, Let me read Ephesians 1.3. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Well, before we celebrate communion today, what I want to give you is an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you're like, well, I haven't done that, Pastor Vern. You know, I've, I've heard, uh, I've heard uh, messages. And maybe you're here again on Easter Sunday. You haven't been hearing this message for quite a while. There is a response on our part. His work is finished. He's done it for all of mankind, past, present, and future. He's not gonna get back on the cross and do it again, right? He did it once. Somebody say once for all. And then he said, now the rest, now the rest is up to you, and you can choose now to draw near. There's no barrier. 
There's no, there's no cliff to jump over. There's no river to swim through. I've made myself available, and you can come boldly to me. All it takes is to say, I need a Lord. I need a Savior. In other words, I need my sins forgiven. Sinning means missing the mark, and we can live our lives our own way, right? And so we can go the direction that we would rather go instead of his way. Um, how many are here today and saying it's time that I do life God's way? My, it's my life, but it's God's way. Amen, somebody? And so you come and you say, I need to repent. There's a time of repentance. Repentance simply means to change your mind and adopt his mindset. It's actually what repentance means. Uh, and so all, every, let's just say this. Every eye closed for just a moment. And the reason we do this is simply so that you can have a moment alone and suddenly you're not worried about your neighbor, what they're thinking, or they might be watching you. If you're here this morning saying, I, I would like to declare Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and, and uh, be adopted into this family, um, I would love if you would simply raise your hand where you're at and we're gonna pray together for you this morning. Amen. Raise your hand high so I can see it and then we're gonna pray and move on into communion. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you, I see you. Thank you, very proud of you right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anyone else? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You can open your eyes. Well, hey, <clears throat> let's all pray together, shall we? Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And so let's all pray together with these people. I saw at least two hands this morning. So the angels are now jumping up and down with joy. Let's all pray together. Say, Father God. Thank you for sending Jesus to reconcile us back into relationship with you. Jesus, thank you for the finished work of the cross. I repent of all my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I declare that you are my Lord and you're my Savior. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's applaud those who just said yes to Jesus. <clears throat> we rejoice with you.